the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome again to 442 Insider. I'm Colin Turner, delighted to have your company as you again join us this week inside the offices of one of the great football magazines in the world, 442. We come here every week to meet and talk to all those people who are responsible for producing the most talked about football magazine in the world, 442. As well, there's not a week goes by without some interesting stories breaking in the world game. And who better to discuss it than those guys sitting around the editorial table here with me at the moment. The deputy editor, Trevor Trahane, the online editor, Kevin Ayers, and the chief writer, Aidan Ormond. Welcome, fellas. Um, let's start locally. And uh, let's start in, in Wollongong. What is the story about Wollongong? Uh, Aidan, you're chasing that one. Um, B-League? What's this B-League? Well, I think, first of all, what I've got to say is the B-League is, is not up and running at all. It's just a concept. It's an idea that uh, has been looked at by the FFA to have a second-tier competition underneath the A-League. It's been clamoured for for some time. And, look, I just spoke to uh, the South Coast Bid about their chances of getting into the A-League, and they basically didn't rule out uh, applying for a second-tier competition if they didn't get into the A-League. Right. And, and right now you would have to say probably I don't know how you guys feel but it's a long shot that South Coast will get in it seems to be Western Sydney will be the the next one and we assume that Melbourne well they've been given some sort of I don't know Kevin you want to say something about that but it does look like it'll be uh, Melbourne and Sydney getting the the next two in the expansion so it looks like uh, South Coast and Canberra may may miss out but I just asked the question I said look if there was a, a second tier competition would you guys be open to applying for that with right. a view to perhaps becoming an A-League club as a, you know, as that grows, and and they didn't rule it out. So, hence the uh, the headline: uh, Gong may settle for B-League spot. I think the sun has got at the guys down there. There's no there's no B-League figment of the imagination. A two, I think. Is I was going to say, I don't think B-League's the best name for it because no. what if there's a league in Bolivia or Bulgaria? Yeah, that might want to be. Well, I think that. there is. Yeah, the Bahrain League, I think, is yeah. called the, the Botswana. What, yeah, what about the what about the Italian, the Serie and Serie? B, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think there's something lost in translation here, but uh, basically A2, I think, sounds about A2, right. I think, would be the best name for it. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. I think the, the league is, there's a task force that's been set up. Sydney Olympic, who signed Mark Bosnich, and I think we're going to talk about Bosnich later, you know, they, they, they've expressed an interest. State leagues are dying, let's face it. They're, they're, the crowds are just virtually nothing really um, apart from one or two clubs right. we need something beyond the clubs are clamouring for it in the state yeah leagues. but I think Kevin you agree with me that uh, a B league would turn into an old uh, NSL wouldn't it I just don't think the, the infrastructure is there the support's there at the moment yet we still need to grow the sport in this country first Sure. we need to uh, make it a mainstream sport first and foremost get everybody going along to A league games then we can start thinking about the A2 league it's just too early and you know the, the team the infrastructure for these other teams is way light years away from being ready for a national competition yeah and and the one thing that worried me last season in the A-League was that the minute that Sydney started to lose uh, the crowd started to drop away and we ended up instead of having 17 and 16,000 people we were having 7 and 8,000 and sometimes it didn't even look like that and and that's Sydney as well actually and not meaning to offend anyone from Sydney but generally people who live in the city will go and follow whoever's doing well 
at that time. So the Swans are going well. There'll mm. be loads of people at Swans games. Sydney FC going well. They'll be, you know, they just go with whoever's doing well. So it's always going to be tied in with results mm. in Sydney, I think. All right, There's too many good things to do in Sydney that yep. you don't have yeah, time to right. follow yeah. losers. And we're yeah. paying huge mortgages as well. So we, we, we spend our money pretty wisely. Well, I am. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I am. But that might be something to do with the ex-wife. But anyway, that's, that's a long story. Can I also just say, Colin, very quickly, I think the idea of a Super Cup where you get the best players from each state league into a Victorian, New South Wales, Queensland team. You play them off at the AIS in a national tournament. That's a step, I think, in the right direction because it's not right. clubs. It's state It's state teams, the best players. A-league clubs can have a look at them in the one area. It's only played over three or four days at a neutral venue like AIS, which has got all the facilities. The idea of a Super Cup, for me, I really do support. All right, let's say uh, you, you were just talking about um, some uh, things on the rise. What about Australia? Back in the top uh, 30 in the world. Yeah, this is FIFA ranking, which genuinely isn't really that interesting if we think about it. But Australia went up three places up to 29th because they dropped down a bit after the Asia Cup qualifiers, but done well in the World Cup qualifiers. So yeah, back, but I don't know how much notice people take of these... Is this how much no. do you care? I think you know. I think it's always a good thing to be able to brag about that we're in the top thirty, and I mm. think it's a, a remarkable achievement. We aren't technically a country that should be in the top thirty, but then you see but does the it USA open any top doors, fourteen. Yeah. So. Does it open any doors for anything? Um, I think it, it's a reflection of the international esteem that Australia is garnering at the moment, yeah. particularly mm. in Asia. I mean, I think if we'd beaten Solomon Islands, I don't think that that yeah. that yeah. means so much, I guess, than beating, let's say, Uzbekistan or Japan. Japan, who were in the top, you know, fifty to seventy, let's say. Yeah. Whereas if you're beating, if you're playing in Oceania, it's very hard to gain those points. I assume that's how it works. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you get more points for beating someone higher up I on think the so. list? And yeah. Like, so I mean, you know, maybe Fiji seventeen nil. It means nothing. Yeah. Different yeah. confederations have different factors, uh, multiplication factors as far as points are concerned. Maybe, maybe it does open the door for uh, other national sides looking at uh, competition. For instance, like mm. uh, if you weren't playing in the World Cup, like mm. South Africa, mm. and someone said, "Would you play Australia, who are in the top thirty in London in such a time?" I suppose mm. the South Africans would say, "Yeah, we jump at it." chance of playing a top 30 team I think and also you know with this World Cup bid which is being launched next Sunday it's really vital that we look like we're a, a nation that uh, is you know is part mm. of the top tier of football let's say 20 to 30 is the, mm. roughly the top tier and if we're part of that then it just adds to the to the bid strength I think if we were in the 60s and 70s it's it mm. does sort of take away a little bit from, from the bid you mentioned uh, when we were talking about Wollongong and, and the, uh, the new B League you mentioned about Bozer. He's back. He's in action. He's, what, 33, 34 years of age. He's he, looking very good. Can I just say, I love Bozer. I just want to say that right here. I'll just put it on the record. Like? The man is a genius. It's a man crush, isn't it? Uh, look, look, I mean, it's look. a healthy man. Is it a, bro- is it a bromance? No, no it, yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> he, look, he gave me a lift in his car, but that's another story. But look, um, he's just, he, you know, he's, we're talking off air about Lubo Milicevic, and I think, you know, we really appreciate players who are honest and yep. say what they feel. And, and Bozer is a rejuvenated man after all the problems that he had. He just has been a breath of fresh air. I saw him play on Sunday. I thought he did really well. Um, he's got a little bit of work to do. He's got four to six weeks of hard work to get down to the sort of weight that um, yeah. he wants to be. And he's still not ruling out going back to England in July for the preseason if there is a club over there. But look, he, um, 
you know, he was tremendous on Sunday, I thought, and we had a good chat after the game, um, which went the, up on the, AU. The one thing I'll say about him is that he's a very, very good organizer of defenders and a very, very good reader of situations. And not a lot of goalkeepers are like mm. that. Boz is, was always like that when he was at Villa and Manchester United, a great reader of situations. Mm. Um, you know, somebody said, oh, he can be beaten with a high ball, but he was trying to make sure all the time to eliminate the possibility of being beaten by a high ball or a ground ball. So I, I think, you know, they're, they're the great credentials of a goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, goalkeepers want to minimise their mistakes and that's what yep. it's about. And I think you can see he's matured as a goalkeeper. It's obviously a, a league that's semi-professional. So we've all seen the state league and it's not, you know, we know what the standard is. It's, it's not pretty. It's, it's, it's conference level at best, I guess, hmm. even even lower perhaps. I don't, I'm not quite sure. But um, it's just good to have him back and hopefully um, another season's in him at, at even A-League level. He's such a credit to any team he's in, though. Mm. I mean, he lifts every team. His, the second he walks into a room, into a dressing room, onto the field, yeah. the charisma level just shoots up yeah. and he never shuts up. Yeah. He is yeah. constantly yeah. talking. He's constantly encouraging, drawing yeah. the defenders to, into the right position. He's yeah. just a wonderful character to have in any team. And, and in the first 20 minutes, he didn't actually touch the ball. The, the defence is so well organised, yeah. he didn't actually touch the ball for 20 minutes. Oh, they've been leaking a lot of goals as well, haven't they? Previously? Yeah, they've leaked a lot of goals. The goal that he considered was an absolute cracker from um, Jay Lucas. He yeah. bent it over the wall. Uh, it was beautifully taken. So it wasn't uh, a, it was a set piece. So it, it was just him versus Bosa. So it wasn't a defensive situation. Um, and I think they looked pretty solid at the back on Sunday. And if the wall had uh, stayed there, it wouldn't have gone in. The possible chances are, you know, mm. if a wall ducks out of the way, there's very little a keeper can do. Yeah, I think he bent it over the wall yeah. pretty well. It's just, that's the former Southampton striker, Jay Lucas. Yeah. No, right. uh, he's playing the he young, young soccer. Is yeah, yeah, ter- terrific player. I'm surprised he hasn't been picked up. But uh, yeah, it was good to see Bosler on Sunday. Yep. Good that he's back. All right, we're going to take a, a quick break here and then we come back because I want to talk about the, uh, the Fury at the Fury. Want to bet on the soccer? Come to Betfair.com. Betfair punters bet against each other. Yep, yep, yep. Uh-huh. To get better odds yeah. and bigger yeah. wins. So join the world's biggest online betting community. Betfair.com. Betting as it should be. Promotional code PRT888. Don't miss the new issue of 442, Australia's number one football magazine. The 442 team have been traversing the globe to bring you the best exclusive interviews with the stars of Australian football. We begin in Turkey, talking to superstar Harry Kuhl about his first season with Galatasaray and his thoughts on being played in defence. Then we're off to Moscow to catch up with Luke Wilkshire before returning to Aussie soil for the next instalment of our series on Gold Coast United, chatting to head coach Miran Blyberg on the challenge of putting together a team capable of challenging for A-League honours in their first season. Mark Schwarzer joins the 442 team with his first exclusive column and interviews with Europe's most sought-after striker David Villa and French legend Marcel Desailly round off another jam-packed issue. The July issue is on sale at all good news agents or head to au.442.com to subscribe and get it delivered to your door. If it's in the game, it's in 442. I just don't know what's wrong with some tradies today. Look at the vehicles they drive, more show than anything, and certainly not tough. I reckon some tradies have even gone soft. For real, fair income tough tradies, there's only one choice, Mahindra. Mahindra's range of 4x2 and 4x4 workhorse pickups and cab chassis know how to get the job done. And they won't cost an arm and a leg, starting at 19990 drive away. Visit your local dealer for a test drive today, or visit mahindrapickup.com.au. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. 
Welcome back. We're inside 442 with the deputy editor, Trevor Trahane, the online editor, Kevin Ayers, and the chief writer, Aidan Ormond. Uh, fellas, can I talk about this fury at the fury? What is all that about? Who's going to take responsibility for that story? <laughs> Kevin? Um, I think we can probably abrogate the blame onto the press officers for that one. It was uh, a marvellous achievement of uh, pre-season downtime and a bit of uh, cranking up uh, pretty inane fixtures clash uh, into uh, bitter rivalry between the two new clubs. But this this was all about a fixture that uh, was planned between the two sides, a pre-season, and then it didn't happen, or it's not going to happen. They were uh, supposed to be meeting in Cairns uh, for the first clash, and uh, that suddenly became an issue for Gold Coast United, who decided they weren't going to play anymore. Uh, they uh, pulled out of that fixture called a North Queensland Fury then uh, issued a press release slamming them uh, being very unkind about the whole Gold Coast United thing and Gold Coast United then challenged them to come down to uh, the Gold Coast and take them on on the home ground uh, but said they weren't that keen on playing North Queensland Fury after their very poor performance in Singapore where they lost to Tambourine Rovers uh, that fired up uh, North Queensland Fury into accepting the invitation, and uh, now they'll play June the 23rd in Rabina. All Robina. right, so mm. we have discovered why they were pulling out of it, and now it's back on again. You should know all about that. Trevor Seen, you're the PR of the ambassador for the Gold Coast. You seem to be going up there to Mr. Palmer and. No, look, I'm completely neutral, Colin, you know that. Oh, yeah. If I could be skeptical for one minute about this story, I know yeah. it's interesting, I know it's entertaining, but there was parts of the comments that were released that reeked of two immature clubs in an immature league having an argument through the press, which I think was slightly unprofessional in some ways, like really, really entertaining for the readers. But, you know, some of the comments they're making, you know, sl slinging mud at each other, I'd expect, you know, more professionally run developed clubs to get on the phone to each other and speak to it privately, not do it through the media. Do, do you not think that, you know, you've got uh, new media people up there and they were basically thinking, hey, here's a story and we can grab some headlines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is a valid point. All any sort of publicity is good. It just, you know, some of the comments, I think you know were a little bit immature for the, I, I think what happened was that the, the first comment was made a slightly catty comment about not playing well in Singapore and then f that was it that it the was on for young and old I think and I think that's what happened is it just like they were just waiting it's like the, you know when you're just waiting for a, a battle to happen just some small thing happens and everyone jumps in mm. um but uh, I think, as Kevin said, uh, you know, what, what is a, a news item, a very minor scheduling story, turns into this larger sort of piece. And, and, and it got pretty personal as well with the, the two owners of the clubs talking about helicopters and planes and what have yeah. you. So uh, The thing I did find very funny was uh, Gold Coast United crying poor, yes. saying that they didn't want to fly up to Cairns because it was going to be too expensive. Yeah. This is a, a well, Jetstar uh, is pretty expensive. Well, Jetstar, yeah, I mean, no, it's, it's ridiculous. What's $60 or something? It is, yeah. That I mean, is it's terrible. <laughs> can I, I mean, can they've I, only got three private jets to call on. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask another thing? Pr professor Palmer. Mm -hmm. What's he a professor of? Pro professor of honorary doctorates, I think. Oh, okay. Because oh. I, I know the, the, the Fury statement back, they were kind of using it a little bit ironically, weren't they? I think the, you'll find that, yeah, there was quotation yeah, yeah, marks yeah, around yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's because, I think when you, when you 
donate money to universities or something like that. I think there's some you, situation. He bought his yeah, professorship. No, no, I'm like. not saying that. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is that people around the world, I think there's other people have had professors put onto their names. You're to, saying he bought the yeah. professorship. No, what I'm saying <laughs> is that uh, dangerous uh, you're seeing one of Australia's <laughs> richest men bought his title. And let me say this, it's very important to invest in education in this country because there's not enough investment in education. Yeah, but you can get an honorary doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you can get an honorary doctorate, but I don't know whether you can get a, an honorary uh, professorship. Well, I think... I think you can, if you're rich enough, you can get anything you, you want, I think. Yeah. Oh, well, this yeah. is true. This Possibly, is true. Yeah. All right. Um, we're coming out towards half-time. Let's, let's, uh, let's start to steer away from the dangerous waters. Let's turn our attention to having a, a lighter look at the game. Off-the-pitch incidents... Um, any funnies again from you, Trevor, or well, Aiden? Just <clears throat> when you didn't think Newcastle United owner Mike Ashley could make his club any more of a laughing stock, they released this statement on the website um, saying, uh, you know, the club was up for sale, as we all know, um, up for 100 million UK dollars, sorry, UK pounds. And um, they also listed a, an email address where you can email your bids in, which doesn't really seem like the best <laughs> idea. So you can what just... Was he doing flogging it on eBay, was he? Well, that's exactly what happened after you can imagine that um, everyone just took it as, as the joke that the club is did he get a um, tenner for it and they were yeah they were emailing you know Sunderland fans with 10p bids and <laughs> you know a Facebook group's gone up and um, they've gone on eBay but I mean what a poor way to handle what an important thing you know Trevor you're, you're a very brave guy because you're sitting on one side of the table and right across from you on the other side of the table is a, a Geordie aren't you, aren't you a Newcastle supporter uh, or will you admit Colin, to I'm be very disappointed <laughs> with you. I, I may be you born in Newcastle, but I'm a Mackham through Mackham. and through, and I'm loving it. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you would have stood up for the northeast at least. You I'm know? a Black Cats man. You're a Black Cats yeah, man. So, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Newcastle get what they deserve. Uh, Mike Ashley has, has run the club into the ground, I think. And uh, yeah, I am. I am born in Newcastle, but I'm a Mackham. Okay, all right. What, where does Alan Shearer go from here? If you got uh, a lunatic uh, trying to sell the club for 100 million on eBay or flog under around in an auction, where does Alan Shearer go? I personally don't think he should be managing the club. I, I, th- I think he should have never been put in that place in I the first place. I think he should place. go straight back to his TV studio and stay there, Absolutely. to be honest. Yeah. It's a lot harder. He's found out that it's a lot harder than it looks. Yeah. He's actually uh, been on the, the receiving end of it for a change instead of dishing it out, and uh, I don't think he's achieved anything. I'm sure Rude Hullet has got a, a quiet smile on his face with the whole thing. And Kevin Keegan. Yeah. And just about yeah. everybody else has been on there. That? I mean, are we being too harsh? Uh, no, another one, that, another uh, manager that got rid of, uh, Bobby Robson, and they were, you know... Mm up near the top and doing well under him you know they got they got rid of him because they wanted to go even higher Champions League you know yeah. possibly title and it's all fallen apart yeah. I'm not saying Bob Robson can um, still be managing now but I think the downfall of a series of expensive bad signings and failed managers started from you know getting rid of Bobby hmm. yeah. uh, I, I asked him about funnies any funny stories this week uh, did that not make you laugh no <laughs> that's all I've got no, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you I came across one and I think it's an old one but it was used again Again, uh, England's performance against, uh, what was the name, Kazakhstan uh, at the weekend. And uh, Rooney and Gerrard were uh, swapping positions on the left wing. And uh, someone wrote about Rooney that he was more left wing than Tony Blair. Mm. <laughs> he, he can do that, Rooney. He can kind of get away with it. There was a really good blog on uh, the Guardian UK the other day saying about how attackers 
are no longer just attackers mm. they have to be just as good at defending Rooney is amazing at tracking back as well as pushing forward mm. but I, I didn't uh, I didn't think that uh, England looked any good at all I think they were all over the shop mm. um, first and, half hour yeah. and, and John Terry uh, came out uh, in the last couple of days and said we can win the World Cup but we've got to keep the lid on it Oh, well, I don't know which team he was looking at or which team he was playing in, but the yeah. way England played. I, th- I think Spain will win the World Cup. Oh, it's a long way That's away. That's a big goal. <coughs> I, th- I think they'll win it. Mm. I'm, I'm going to go Brazil. A, a European team has never won the World Cup outside of Europe. I'm not saying that that's but going to continue saying forever. That this, is, but this is almost like a European... Because the weather's not great. I checked that yeah. as well. They're saying it's like a European World Cup yeah. in South Africa. Yeah. We shall no doubt discuss that at a later date. We're going to take a break here at halftime, give you guys a couple of oranges or something to uh, sort of cheer you up a little bit and we'll be back with the second half in a moment. Well, ladies, I've been telling you about the e-pen for months and now the secret's out. We all know hair removal can be expensive and sometimes quite a painful experience. So what's the secret? The e-pen from Magnatech is amazing technology and it's easy to use. Simply by touching the e-pen onto the hair, it sends a gentle current of energy down to the root of the hair, which permanently and painlessly destroys the hair cell. So hair will never grow from that hair cell again. The e-pen is gentle on your bikini line and great for shaping eyebrows. And just imagine, no more embarrassing facial hair. Perfect for your legs and underarms, and men can use it too. There's no needles or lasers, and using the e-pen is totally pain-free. Get rid of unwanted hair forever. Get your personal e-pen for only $179 plus postage and handling. Here's how to order. Call 1-800-200-109. That's 1-800-200-109. That's 1-800-200-109. Call now. Looking for someone to bet with? Come to Betfair.com. Betfair punters bet against each other. Yep, yep, yep. Uh-huh. To get better odds yep. and bigger yep. wins. So join the world's biggest online betting community. Betfair.com. Betting as it should be. Promotional code PRT888. Back to 442 Insider. Welcome back to 442 Insider. I am with the deputy editor, Trevor Trahane, the online editor, Kevin Ayres, and the chief writer, Aidan Ormond. Fellas, we have to talk about the biggest story in Australia, well, for the last four years, the World Cup, and we've qualified for the second time in a row. How big a deal is that? Well, who wants to start? That's a big question. I I think in football terms, generally, doing stuff back-to-back is a true sign of success. And I'm not just talking about qualifying for World Cups, but, you know, winning leagues, winning cups, a sign of a real successful generation of players is when they do it twice or three times in a row. So I think it's really significant, not that, you know, it's the third World Cup, it's that we've done it twice in a row now. And I I think it's significant also that we've done it this time through Asia. Last time we did it through Oceania, essentially, and South Mm. America. I, I personally would have been really, really disappointed if we hadn't made it though. Uh, because this time, this time because oh, yeah. we had such a good team four years ago, right. three years ago. Uh, if we hadn't been able to maintain that momentum mm-hmm. and get us back into the World Cup, whether it was through Asia or whether it was through Oceania, mm-hmm. it would have been very disappointing to me. I, you know, I think we would have been squandering our talent. What I'm more concerned about is 2014 and the talent mm-hmm. coming through for that. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. The, the one, one thing, traveling around Asia, as, as I do uh, from quite uh, quite some time, and um, the, the talk there is, you know, yes, great to have the Australians in there, but 
but a lot of people also mentioned that Australia were so unlucky to come across a referee called Candelar from Spain because a lot of the Asian people thought Australia should have gone further in the last World Cup. Can they do better this time? Well, I think a lot depends on the draw, obviously. Sure. Um, I, I personally believe that they can repeat what they did in 2006 because they're a very hard team to beat. Yep. Um, and they're very well organised and they clearly are playing for PIM. Um, if we'd, we we all saw what Tim said the other day, uh, it, certainly Tim loves playing for Pim. Um, I think they're going to be hard to beat. I think if Viduka and Emerton are back, then we can score goals or score enough goals. I think I think I think we can get a win and a draw, which is probably going to be enough. I think a main concern is the, the lack of goals recently. Mm-hmm. I think you know that that's what we've really got to be concerned about for uh, any World Cup campaign. We need to be boosting up this uh, attack. Uh, whether it's getting the strikers firing for us, getting Scott McDonald to actually uh, get some goals for us, whether it's getting Josh Kennedy fit mm. consistently, whether it's getting Viduka back, we have to find this answer because we, we need goals. Uh, and it's not good enough just keeping clean sheet after clean sheet. It's a huge help. Mm. And without that, you know, we wouldn't be in the position we are. But to progress in the World Cup, we need to get goals. And at the moment, we're finding them hard to but, come back. But Trevor, you know, it is a great foundation to have a defence who have qualified for uh, the World Cup finals without conceding a goal. Oh yeah, I mean, it's absolutely brilliant, but I do tend to agree with Kevin that, you know, the goals have to come from somewhere, you know, we're not at the World Cup yet, this is just qualifying for the World Cup, so this no. approach is fine, but when you're there, it's a knockout competition, you know, it, it, it's no more or less than that, but it is important to have that solid base to begin with. If you remember, was it Greece in 2004 at the Euros? Mm. Their whole game was built around not conceding and then trying to nod in a winner and somehow they managed to win that mm. tournament. That but I think method. the problem for us is that we, we, we're not very strong on set pieces. I mean, have you noticed mm. that we yeah. don't have that ability to mm. win games by set pieces? Yeah. So I agree that, that you know, we've got Kennedy, Faduka, hopefully, McDonald, Vidisic perhaps, Jite, perhaps even Burns. So we've got a few options, but um, I still think that we're going to do reasonably well. The move to Asia then, the three of you uh, all agreed that that was the right move to make? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's a huge, huge boost to us. I mean, it's given us a better class of opposition. It's made the route to the World Cup so much easier in quotation marks for us uh, it's certainly more direct and yeah I don't think anybody could but, but you argue say, against it you, you say Kevin the move was it was a good move but basically the performances haven't been uh, very pretty have they you know Pim has gone out and he's just said we've got to win this game and he's got to he played the game the way he wanted it to win the game or get the point I've said before you know I'm not interested in whether or not we overwhelm opposition I'm not interested in being Brazil or Argentina and you know completely dominating a match I just want to see us control matches I want to see us win matches whether we're doing it very efficiently at the moment, that's fine. But I just want to do it with more conviction. I don't want us to have to rely on Schwartz saving penalties. Mm. All right, you're talking about conviction. So how do we improve between now and getting to South Africa? Maybe how play two people up front for the occasional game, see how that works. Mm. You know, rather than and that could happen tonight. Yeah. I think it. I think it has to. Mm. You know. I think that, that that's really because important. then we're opening up McDonald because I think McDonald struggles when he when we play with a with a four two three one or four one four one. So we need to start looking at playing two strikers. 
without mm, doubt. Yeah, because he could play off Kennedy, he could play off... The, the, the problem we've got, and the problem we've always had with all of our managers is the fact we've got such a strong midfield uh, and trying to fit everybody in. Yeah. Uh, and everybody keeps trying to do it, but it's always at the expense of the tag. Yeah. Uh, and as a result, we're not getting the goals. I think we really have to make this callous decision that we only have four in midfield. Yeah. Two up front and see how we go. Ta- talking of uh, of uh, the uh, the changes and and the mood in the team, I I, ca- I can't understand why uh, Pim played um, Kalina as a right back because basically it didn't work for me. I think he is got, he's got to be one of the foundation stones of midfield for the team. Absolutely, I think I, we I, all saw how we struggled in midfield. There yeah. could have been somebody else play that right back yeah, role. I, and, yeah, and I, I think it was a silly move, but it was an. Ex- Experiment and we've got, we've got to be able to experiment from time to time, but that, that can be written off as one of the failed experiments. But also, so there's much better options in that for that. Position. Having said that, Jason was voted there. second best right back in the Dutch league this season, so <laughs> he probably Pim would say, "Well, you know, I've got a decent right back there." But you could see the fluidity in midfield wasn't yeah. there, yeah. and Jason is our barometer in midfield, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And isn't it great that we've got a Gold Coast player as the barometer in our midfield now? It's yeah, amazing. The, the interesting thing, of course, looking at the game was that you had Kalina playing. As, as a right back and you, you had Bresciano playing on the left hand side and basically he was squaring the ball across the park all the time he didn't want to run forward with the ball why was that was that sort of because he was scared of, of us losing possession and it going back down very quickly whereas when Colleen is there he holds the ball he looks around looks for someone moving forward Bresciano didn't do that well, I mean, I think I think Jason's more of a natural midfielder than, than yeah. Bresh. I think Bresh yeah. is almost like a striker at times, yeah. really. Um, I just think that Jason is so important. Jason and Brett Emerton are so important to our midfield. You have those two in our midfield, and and, and you can just feel the, the the short balls, the long balls, the the work rate. Everything is there. It's set up for a fluid midfield. Okay, the, so how do we improve uh, the team? This team that went out and and qualified. How do we improve that? Do we bring in Mark Viduka? Do we change things around if we bring Mark Viduka can we play Scott McDonald alongside him can we play Kennedy alongside of Viduka uh, will that work does Harry Kuehl have to, to play as an as an outside an old outside left and still use Scott Chipperfield as a left wing back personally I think we have to move on from Viduka uh, I think he I still think he's a marvellous player and I think he's got years left in him but I think Australia now has to move on he's not being able to show commitment to the national side for whatever reason uh, and we have to look at the other options and I think Scott McDonald you know the guy scores 30 goals in the season he's not a bad goal scorer he's a good player uh, he just needs to be played in the right formation in Australia and we have to find that we but have I think, to work through but I think Pim, Pim looks at systems first he, he doesn't look at fitting players he, he looks at system first players second rather than players first system second so I think that's why Scott will always struggle yeah the but then you end up with Jason Clean on right back you know uh, mm. I think we have to play the players to the strands uh, and Scott McDonald is on paper our best goal scorer even though he's not scored a single goal for us. Uh, so we have to find a way to make him work for us. I mean, exactly. that, that's the thing we said before. I mean, no Australian scores more goals than Scott McDonald, yet he's never scored for Australia. There has mm. to be a, a way of making him work. Mm. Another point worth making, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of, of um, international friendlies, but they are going to be important in the lead-up to the World Cup. Sure. You know, once we know the groups, we can we can start playing, you know, the types of teams that we're going to meet in South Africa. So it's important that, you know, Pim has that opportunity when we play those teams to try out the formations and, and get a formation that works and gets us goals. Yeah, the, the other thing I, I, I must mention is that 
some players become darling of uh, us in the media. Uh, they become darling boys to the media and other guys are not. Scott McDonald, unfortunately, is not as far as the Australian media is concerned because they just keep hounding him about scoring goals. But you've got to go back and have a look at Mark Viduka's record scoring for Australia. Mark Viduka never, never got the, the sort of a, a abuse and insults that Scott McDonald is getting. Well, I don't think Scott's getting too much abuse, but I think it's a system thing. Viduka yeah. suited the system. Yeah. Scott suits playing off a, a taller striker sure. because Scott's a penalty box striker hmm. he's not a player that you, you look towards he's an old Jimmy Greaves put him in the six yard box and he'll put the right. ball away he yeah. picks up yeah. the scraps and gets yeah. him away yeah. Yeah. and that's what I'd like to see tonight is, yeah. is if Kennedy was playing to have played a 4-4-2 and see how he goes playing alongside you uh, Josh Kennedy we haven't seen a lot of Scott play in the national team that's another thing we need to play him for a regular period of time to, to allow him to, to find his feet alright we'll take a break here we'll come back for the uh, final part of the uh, program you're listening to 442 Insider I just don't know what's wrong with some tradies today look at the vehicles they drive more show than anything and certainly not tough I reckon some tradies have even gone soft for real fair income tough tradies there's only one choice Mahindra Mahindra's range of 4x2 and 4x4 workhorse pickups and cab chassis know how to get the job done. And they won't cost an arm and a leg, starting at 19990 drive away. Visit your local dealer for a test drive today or visit mahindrapickup.com.au Want to bet on the soccer? Come to betfair.com Betfair punters bet against each other Yep, 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 uh-huh To get better odds yeah. and bigger yeah. wins So join the world's biggest online betting community Betfair.com Betting as it should be Promotional code PRT888 Don't miss the new issue of 442 Australia's number one football magazine The 442 team have been traversing the globe To bring you the best exclusive interviews With the stars of Australian football We begin in Turkey Talking to superstar Harry Kuehl About his first season with Galatasaray And his thoughts on being played in defence Then we're off to Moscow To catch up with Luke Wilkshire Before returning to Aussie soil For the next instalment of our series On Gold Coast United Chatting to head coach Miran Blyberg On the challenge of putting together a team capable of challenging for A-League honours in their first season. Mark Schwarzer joins the 442 team with his first exclusive column and interviews with Europe's most sought-after striker David Villa and French legend Marcel Desailly round off another jam-packed issue. The July issue is on sale at all good news agents or head to au.442.com to subscribe and get it delivered to your door. If it's in the game, it's in 442. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome back to 442 Insider. We're coming down towards the uh, end of our uh, program, but uh, there's a whole lot of things to talk about, uh, fellas, before we go. We've talked about uh, qualifying for the World Cup, but talking of the World Cup, we've made a bid for the World Cup. What are your thoughts and feelings about that? Bidding for the World Cup, is it the right time, Trevor? Well... Yeah, I think it's a, a great time for Australia to get it. And um, as we all know, it's a, you put your bid forward and it could either be 2018 or 2022. So, yes, I mean, imagine what it would do for the game and the knock-on effects further down the line. Did you speak to Ben Buckley about that? Aiden, yeah, I yeah, I did, yeah, for, for the Soccer Room magazine. Right. And uh, he outlined very clearly why they're bidding. Um, you know, they they feel it is time in this nation's development that we that we bid for something. We've we've had the Olympics, we've had the Rugby World Cup, uh, and various major events. We've got basically the the stadia there. 
We're a top 30 nation. Uh, there's just so many benefits. There's a lot of economic benefits. It's time that FIFA looked at a World Cup down here. There's, uh, there are a lot of benefits. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, we've got government backing as well, which is really important. In fact, there will be a launch on Sunday to officially launch the bid. Yeah, in Canberra, yeah. So, um, yeah, look, it's, it's, a, it's a risk, of course, because you could do your dough on the whole bid and look a little silly. But I think if you don't bid now, you're probably... You know, it's it's not. We need to develop the generations now, and, and this is going to help massively if we get one of the two. Oh, I think the anticipation that it would create would be just yeah. like nothing we've ever seen before. Sydney Olympics was obviously big, but this would be even bigger because it would take in the whole nation. Mm. Uh, but having said that, I don't think we should get too excited about 2018. No, I no. really do think that's uh, going to end up probably going to England. Yeah. Uh, but 2022, I really, really think we must stand a very, very good chance for. What do we have to? Do? Do. How many how many uh, hoops and jumps and, and gymnastic uh, acrobatic things do we have to do to get more money from the government? Then, well, I, th- I think I think if we focus on the government, we've got it, this is a political campaign that we're talking about. We have to win 13 votes on the FIFA executive. Oh, well, I was going to come to that. Yeah. That is that is that is the main game here. This yep. is not necessarily about the best bid. This is about how we run a political campaign. And I think Frank Lowy is one of those people who understands that completely. He knows that it's a little bit of a long shot. Let's face it, particularly 18, 22, it's probably better, as Kevin said, I agree, but uh, it's a political campaign, and he is at that sort of strata in society where he's able to pull favours, he's able to talk to people, he's got that gravitas, and he's got the Prime Minister and the states on side. There's going to be a lot more money coming into this bid over time, private money, as Kevin said, and, and, and also various other corporations and what have you. So the, the 45 mil was just to sort of get us rolling, Um Look, it's a political campaign and we're in it to do our best. And we know it's a political campaign. That's the thing. We don't, we're not going in there naively. Mm. Frank Lowy knows exactly how FIFA operates. He's not I, stupid. I think also when, uh, you know, the other bids are further down the road and people like Indonesia possibly drop out, uh, then obviously Australia's chances are going to look much better and we could get see more cash coming from the government if need be, need be then. Just just moving on from, from the cash point, if we want to just talk about you know who we think will host that 2018, like Kevin said, I'd, I'd imagine it'll probably go to England, but being the gambling man I am, I had a little look at what the odds are and it's pretty clearly favoured that England will get it. I mean, there are odds on in some places, but it's interesting that Australia are second favourite. They're only about three to one to still win that World Cup. And really? Then, yeah, and then you go to to Russia who are our eight to one and then the Spain and Portugal bid and, and, and so on from there so okay. I mean that's quite short there's great advantages of host, hosting a World Cup here I mean we saw in Germany 2006 a European World Cup there were problems with hooliganism I don't know whether anyone saw the behind the scenes yeah. documentary about it there were problems that, that sort of problem that we saw in, in 2002 which was virtually eliminated I think you'll see a similar scenario in this country where it's very hard for hardcore hooligans to make it all the way over here and get into the country. Yeah. All right, yeah. I, I seem to be the one that's uh, the downsider at the moment. I'll throw a couple of more sprats into the into the fire then and see what happens. When you're talking about the World Cup, you're talking of something uh, on an equivalent as far as television is concerned with the Olympic Games, and you have the big money for FIFA coming from where? Coming from America, MasterCard, Coca-Cola. They're all the major sponsors who put millions, 320 million, dropping the ocean to some of those companies. They put 
all that into the World Cup. Do you think that the Americans uh, who are bidding for 2022, do you think that they will be knocked completely out of it because they will say, we don't want it on television because it's all at the wrong time. We had a disaster when Sydney Olympic was on because it was all at the wrong time. We were able to manipulate it as far as China was concerned with the Beijing Olympic Games. We got them to put on the swimming finals in the morning, so we grabbed full attention for television in America. What are we going to do with Australia if they get the World Cup? We won't cover it. I, I don't disagree with you with the US broadcasting deal, and the broadcasting rights is going to be a really thorny issue. Major. But you've got to remember also that, that we're in an Asian time zone as well, so we have a massive market in Asia that's going to be on our side. But and Asia has you, to put in the money. Yeah, I, but the I'm, Americans yeah. will put in the yeah, money. I know that, and, I, and that's that's part of the political campaign that mm. will go on with broadcasting deals over the next sort of year or two when we're talking about this. But also, I think if you're kicking off at let's say nine o'clock at night in Australia, what's that in Europe? That's so that's I guess seven o'clock in the morning. Morning, yeah. yeah. Midday. Midday, is yeah. it? In Europe. Depends yeah. on the time in zones, but, yeah. but, I mean, but in America it's uh, eleven o'clock at night is nine o'clock in the morning. Is there in Florida. Is there a fundamental reason why we can't have kickoffs at ten or eleven o'clock in the morning? We have midday kickoffs in the UK quite regularly now. Half past twelve. Who'd, who'd be available to attend the games? Only visitors on come on, on a weekday. On a weekend. On a, well, you'd have to play weekdays. If it's, as well. the, if it's the World Cup in if your it's country. The World Cup. You, People uh, will take days clock, off. You, yeah. you, you turn up. Other than yeah. doing this job, I'd be walking out of whatever other job I did to go and watch a World Cup yeah. game. And, and everyone, everyone else probably as well. So. Yeah, but whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. If we're talking World Cup, we're going to be playing the games in Melbourne. We're going to be playing the games in Sydney. We don't have the infrastructure in Sydney to cater for the people going to work on transport alone, on the trains alone, to say that we can actually, at 10 o'clock in the morning or 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, shuffle people out I, to I disagree the, with that, the, uh, the and I'll tell you why, because um, in the 2000 Olympics, I lived here, I worked here during the Olympics, on the Olympics magazine across the road, and the, the train system was outstanding. Yeah, that was back nine years ago. What time was that? It wasn't at 9 o'clock in the morning. It you, was you, all, day. all day. All day. All day. All the, the main events were in the afternoon and the evening for the I, Olympic Games. I, I'm not sure exactly what time, but I can remember that thinking, oh no, I've got to work during the Olympics, it's going to be a nightmare. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think we I can know, we, the infrastructure we could handle, I'm sure. It's just a case of uh, breaking people's ideas of what time a kickoff should be. Mm. A, a final thing we, we were going to talk about, you're saying does qualifying for 2010, is that going to help our bid? And um, yes, I, I do think it is going to help. I think it's important that you know we're going to become more of a, a World Cup regular. If you look at when South Africa won the bid in 2004, mm. they'd just come off the back of qualifying for France 98, or appearing at France 98, and South Korea and Japan in 02. And the other people they went up against from the African nations, people like uh, Morocco had missed out in 02, and Egypt had only been in the World Cup twice before, and Libya had never been there. So I think it's going to be a really important deal that we've made this World Cup. No, well. I, think, I think it's great that we've uh, qualified, and uh, as, as we said at the start of the program, back to back, but I still think there's a lot of uh, big hurdles to jump uh, before we uh, get get further down the track of bidding for the World Cup. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens on Sunday. 
Absolutely. It'll, it, I think they're launching a movie, the, the official movie. A lot of the players will be there. The Prime Minister is there. So it's a united bid. There's no doubt about that. Look, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. It's going to be a massive challenge. But yep. I think we've got the best people in charge to give us the best possible chance. And I agree with Kevin. I think we'll probably end up with 22. I think All what right. we have to do is get Asia united behind us. Mm. That's the most important thing. All right. One we, Asian bid. We, we, well, we did support Bin Hammam, so um, we've got the big man back. on. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll have to leave it there. We'll have to definitely leave it when a Scotsman and an Englishman agree on something. But that's it from 442 Insiders. We'll be back again next week. Until then, take care. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.